to the Slumber Party Podcast. I am your host, Amanda Jusen. Lisa is away today. She is battling. I shouldn't say battling. That has a negative connotation. Um, Lisa is at home with three children on summer break, and I'll leave that to you to decide what that feels like. Um, But I am very excited to have our guest Mandy on today um, because Mandy, uh, again, I say this and everyone probably this is where they like press the button and they stop listening to me because I repeat myself constantly. But I saw your topic and I was like, how have I not talked about this yet? This is such a good topic. I think so many people deal with it. Um, And you had written me to talk about that you have a little one. I don't know. Are you comfortable using her name? I, I don't have to. I think just P. Perfect. P. Okay. Yeah. So um, you have P, who is almost three? Three. Three, three and a half. Oh, my God. Stop four in it. December. Yeah, four <gasps> December. Yeah. Oh, my God. It really does. And I feel like I should know this. Mandy's partner is like my favorite lactation consultant. So I feel like I kind of follow your life. Oh, there she's in the background. (laughs) I'm breast slash chest feeding. (laughs) If you had a consult with her, you would. You, you, you would have seen this. This yeah. is okay. So those of you listening, make sure to pop onto YouTube to see where all the magic happens. Um, but you also have a new baby on the way. Yeah, very exciting. Can't when wait. are when are you due? When's uh, ever due? September twenty third. Okay. Two days after my fortieth birthday, which is another. No! Yeah. So big, big 40th rager for you. Absolutely. <laughs> I'll, I'll be partying all night. <laughs> you actually will be. You actually will be. Yeah. Uh, it's so funny on um, when we had Nora, uh, the Raptors were in the playoffs for like probably one of the first times. And it was it was a playoff game that night and it was a surprise like we thought i would go much later and so she shows up and brad's like if like we could just get this done and like go home by and his birthday is two days later so i was like yeah and we did we got it done by 2 p.m and he could watch the game and his birthday present was a screaming newborn so happy Perfect. birthday, Brad. Um, that's so exciting, though. Having close birthdays yeah. to your kids is fun in our house. Yeah, um, so you had come to me and you said, look, we're having some issues with P's sleep um, and we have a new baby. What's up? And I would love for you to kind of just jump in. Um, I'm going to grab my notebook and I want yeah. you to tell me what's going on and I'm going to take some notes. All right. So P is three and a half and she has had bouts of, you know, times, um, big chunks of time where she slept through the night and, and all is okay. But mm-hmm. honestly, we, we moved about a year ago today. Mm-hmm. Um, and her sleep has never quite been the same. Um, we have to sit with her going to bed at nighttime. And so she has a routine and it's, it's, it has to be, it has to be her three books and then a light show. And then I essentially have to sit there on a chair beside her until she falls asleep drawing on her back and I, you know, and, and this What's is not, the light show. It's like this little like light. It, it essentially shows like either the stars or got fish it. and it goes Does for it five like minutes. Pro- yeah. And it projects light. Got it. Got it. Got it. Projects okay. lights 
on the ceiling. It's set for five minutes. So when it stops, she knows that, you know, now it's time to sleep. Um, But realistically, when the baby comes, I can't be sitting there. Sometimes it will be an hour. Yeah. You know, and I fall asleep in the chair half the time. I'll wake up like, (laughs) and I'm, you know, it's, it's 930 and I'm, you know, as I was like, what were you doing in there? Um, (laughs) Like literally sleeping. Actually, I think this is uh, such a, this is a common thing of, of, I know you're not co-sleeping, but um, when people are either sitting with their child or they're co-sleeping, they always say that it's that part that they never intend to fall asleep. They do. They wake up two hours later. They can't fall back to sleep after. And then it's like this weird thing where their partner might go to bed. So now they're left alone. And it's like, it can impact that connection time with your partner. Do you find that as well? Yeah. And and the thing is, is I do like to go to bed earlier. I definitely go to bed earlier than Azura. So if I fall asleep with her, you know, it's 930. Like I like to go to bed at 1030, 11. So I now the rest of the night, Mm -hmm. whatever I intended to do, you know, Mm -hmm. and I'm tired. I I just slept, right? Yeah. We've also been having a bit of knock on wood. Um, The last two weeks, she's been pretty good in not waking up in the night. Last night, and I was so happy to speak with you today, I don't know what happened. She was up twice, and yes, and I haven't done this in so long, but she asked me to get into her bed, and I was desperate, and I got into her bed. And then you're like, I'm terrified for tonight, because she's going to say, like, get in my bed. This kid doesn't forget anything. No, I know. This is a thing, and and I am not a hard-ass in my real life, but I was an educator for a really long time, and I also, like, doing this work with toddlers, I've totally understood, like, me, I'm like, yes, there can be some times, and there can be gray, and there's no such thing as black and white, and then you have to be like this with toddlers, which it feels so... I identify so much with parents who are like, but I don't care if it happens sometimes. I'm like, I don't care either, but your kid didn't get that message. (laughs) And they're like, oh, it happened once. It happens all the time. So like one time, this is when my daughter was a lot younger, but she would say, you know, please open the door. Like I would leave the door open and I would leave. And she'd be like, open it just a little bit more. And I'm like, sure, who cares? Doors open. Why would I care? Why would I care about the angle of which the door is open. That is a stupid thing to care about. It is so stupid. But so it's an easy thing for me to give. So I do it. And the next day is open it wider. Open it wider. And then it's like this whole thing. And then you're like, how did we get to this spot? And it's so innocent, these things that we do. Like people tell me all the time, I don't care to just sit on the chair. It's what happens after. And uh, this is, yeah. Okay. So this is good. I obviously have a lot to say about this, but I want to make sure I'm catching it all. Okay. So the night wakings for you, they're pretty rare. It sounds like last night seemed like an off night, but not the regular. Okay. Yeah. I mean, they were regular for a bit. Like I said, knock on wood, she seems to be sleeping through the night. But if she does wake up, it's that whole thing where I have to sit there again and rub her back. Okay. I'm trying to be strict. She'll say, I need a snack. I'm hungry. I need a drink. (laughs) And I have a book and I I have started to say, no, you know, we have to wait till the morning. And yeah, but I I do end up sitting there. So, and again, that's not, I can't do that when the baby comes. Like I, yeah. Between the two of them, um, you know, we'll we'll both be exhausted and, and we won't have slept. Totally. Yep. 
Um, yeah. So this is another, this is a good point because on the other side of this too, with baby coming, even if P was sleeping like an absolute champion and we weren't really uh, talking about her at this point, um, we know that when babies come, children experience stress. And now this is a happy time and it's awesome and everyone's excited, but this is a stressful experience. Just like moving to your dream home, it's so exciting, it's stressful. Got that new job, awesome, it's stressful. So changes such as that and big changes, um, I'm putting myself in this camp. I'm telling you like eight years, six years after that w- the birth of my second child was very stressful on my first child. Mm-hmm. And I didn't really realize it until it was pointed out to me a couple of years later. Um, and it makes total sense that um, there's there's a book I'm going to recommend to you while it's in my head. It's called Siblings Without Rivalry. And I would read it now because I, I, it, I have a pen. I will send it to you after too. Oh, I'm going to write my notes. Send book to Mandy. Um, yes. So siblings without rivalry. And uh, it's it's basically breaking down the psychology of how siblings understand their relationship to each other and how parents can do a, a good job of making sure that no one child feels favored or not, because that actually has some not so great consequences for the family and child when that happens. And not, not that you would, but there are times like, and everyone listening is like, there are definitely times where I like one more, one one child over the other. A hundred percent that's true. But if there continues to be patterns of behavior where it's obvious to the children or you're unconsciously creating bias, like it, it can lead to not great things. So Siblings Without Rivalry was great. Um, but the big learning that I got from it was that immediately and subconsciously, children began to feel like their resources are threatened. And so they are now trying to protect all of the things. You might start seeing outbursts of behavior. Um, you might start to see um, frequent wakings, pushback, and people say, like, could it be the baby? Do they really know? They seem to love the baby. This is all unconscious stuff that they're not even aware of. And this is honestly the the thesis of toddlerhood is that there's a lot going on that they don't know how to tell us. Mm -hmm. They are experiencing huge emotions for the very first time, complex emotions that they can't even say to you. It usually comes out in big, angry outbursts and probably the highest intensity you've ever seen before. Would you, uh, I'm curious, would you see, well, I was going to ask you, you know, P is almost four, three and a half, wild. Would you say that her emotions are scarier now than they were when she was a baby? Absolutely. Yeah, this is what I'm saying. This is like, everyone is so afraid of their toddler. I put myself into this. I remember very distinctly having the new baby in the car and driving to pick up my oldest. And darling, if you ever listen to this, it has nothing to do with you and all of me. But I would feel dread because I'd be so nervous that we'd have to go through another big argument and a tantrum. And I was like, oh, and, you know, add some postpartum and hormones and all of that. Um, so, uh, there's a lot of big emotions there that are going to come out and this all, if you like follow me for a second, this is all going to come back to the sleep thing because 
when parents become afraid of the child's emotions, often what we're trying to do is placate the child to stop the big emotion. So we're doing everything that we can to make the sound stop again, normal, because that's a very activating sound. Um, we're doing all these things to make the, the noise stop. And while it provides temporary temporary relief, we're often uh, saying yes to things we don't want to say yes to, or we are blurring boundaries for children in that process. And what isn't talked about enough is how that can actually create a different dialogue in the child's brain that, oh, I said this and then they said yes, and that feels off to me. Like what they should have been saying is something else. Or normally what they say is this, and now they're saying something different. So the example I always give about this is I believe I was like nine or 10. No, I think I was older. I was like 11. And I really, really, really wanted to go to the park. Like I think this boy that I had a crush on was at the park. And then I would go to the park and be like, hey, how are you? (laughs) Anyway, my parents said I couldn't go one night for whatever reason. And I pushed and I pushed and I nagged and I nagged and I nagged. And finally, one of them was like, fine, go, get out of here. And I remember just being like, I don't like that. Like, I know what I wanted, but then you said that and I don't know who's in charge now. And okay. And I, I went and I felt very insecure. And we have to remind ourselves that when we, we have to go back to what we want in our baseline. So this is probably a conversation um, with you and your partner where you sit down and you say, okay, what do we want and what are we comfortable with? Not like what does society say? What does this? Because in, in the end, P is probably sleeping fine. She's getting assistance. She's probably getting more sleep than you. It's normal for kids to get up, blah, 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 blah. Like there's no like huge big thing that we need to be correcting. And especially there are lots of families who choose to help their children sleep or co-sleep or have family beds and do well and their life is great because those are choices that they want and everyone's happy. I'm always concerned with when a choice is being forced on a parent or a, a child is leading or directing the action because it, yeah and that the the issue is not that like I I want to be clear I don't care about sleep co-sleeping or sitting with anyone it's like let's take sleep out of this if P said, I don't want to sit in my car seat. She has a huge reaction. You don't suddenly remove the car seat, put her in a a regular seatbelt and move on with her life. Why? Well, that's not safe. It's not okay with you. And you just would never do that. But for whatever reason, for parents, there's a lot of, you know, there's a lot of misinformation about sleep. But we're always very afraid of traumatizing our children. Trauma is a word that is thrown around in my practice so much. I'm traumatizing them. It's like, well, tell me why you think you're traumatizing them. What what signs? And they'll be like, well, they were so upset and they threw themselves on the floor. It's like, well, they're going to do that one day when they're five and you didn't give them the right sock. And we, we won't label that trauma. And when your little baby is crying in the car because they're in the car seat and they don't want to be, we don't call that trauma. But for whatever reason, we are labeling, I want to sleep with you. I want you to sit with me. And you say, no, I'm sorry. I love you. I can come back and check on you. We label that trauma. And and I don't know why. I don't know what it, I think it might have to do with like sleep 
the dark. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> Leaving the room. I don't know what it is, but here we are. So then if we've really pared back, if we've really taken away all the meaning that we have around what we're asking. And so what you're saying is for me, and it sounds like I don't want to sit with you at sleep. It is when you do get up, you need me to sleep with you. It impacts my ability to function the next day. We have a new baby coming and I won't be able to do with the, the, do that. Those are all really good reasons to not do those things. They're all really practical and they're all rooted around safety, I would say health and safety, because if you're trying to function the next day, um, it, it can be really challenging. So then we have to say, okay, I have to be prepared that when I stop doing this behavior, there's going to be a huge flood of emotions. This is going to be a stressful experience. This is a behavior that P has become used to, and all of her feelings and reactions are expected and normal. If she was like, I have a theory. God, I've been talking for 10 minutes nonstop, Mandy. I'm sorry. I no, hope that I, you're I'm, okay. I'm speaking it all Okay, in. <laughs> okay, okay. Um, I have a theory. Are you familiar with Daniel Tiger? I am familiar. Okay. You know how like Daniel Tiger's parents tell him to do something and he goes, sure, mom. And so does every other single cartoon. Yeah. And we talk about cartoons being bad influences on parents. I say that cartoons have trained parents to teach them that children should be docile and very like, yes, I should. Ah, that, you know, the moment my guru is Janet Lansbury, who's a Rye educator, and she's written multiple books that I'm like totally in agreement with. And if you like her, her podcast is unruffled. And I would just go ahead and download it all because this is the time of my life where she has impacted me the most. I remember listening and just getting permission for my own child's emotions and no one told me that that was okay forever. It was like my job was to stop her from crying and what really I needed to do, and this is what Janet says, that when our children have these huge outbursts, they need our calm and they need to know that that big feeling is safe with us that it doesn't create any uncertainty. It doesn't create, it doesn't scare us. It doesn't like challenge us in any way. And that was so freeing. Like sometimes my youngest will say things like she'll be having a huge, like just crazy temper tantrum. That's like not logical about something. And we're like, it's okay. And she'll be like, you don't even care. And we're like, we're right here sitting next to you. We do care care a lot. <laughs> but we're not stopping it. We're not placating it. We're allowing space. And honestly, what you'll find, and Janet Lansbury says this too, that the expression of that emotion is catharsis for children. And what we've done for a long time, I put myself into this camp for a long time, our child opens her mouth and we shut it. And our child's and if it's me, the moment you try to shut me up is when I go cuckoo. Like if you don't let me talk, yeah. <laughs> obviously, <laughs> um, I will go crazy. Yeah. And I think about that for children all the time. It's like, say whatever, let it out. So let's reframe because I think what it comes down to is you would stop sitting with her if, if, she, if she didn't scream about it, but she's never yeah. not going to do that. And her big thing is, um, I taught her what a compromise was. So she'll say, I have a compromise for you. 
you sit there two minutes and then you can go. And then I say, okay, I'll sit for two minutes. She doesn't know what two minutes is. So then I go to leave and she says, no, no, you said you'd sit there. Like, yeah, you know, so it, I I can't, I need to not sit there at all. Right. If I sit for two minutes, I might as well sit there two hours. Yep. Um, And you could simply say that. And I think, you know, I I don't know what you have done or not. And I'm speaking in generality. So I hope nothing is appearing like I don't like giving people advice in real life. But this is an okay moment because you're asking for it. But (laughs) it, it is one of those things where it is for for her or for parents, we're often ashamed of having made a parenting mistake because it might allow us to appear weak in front of the child. But in fact, when we've made, we do this all the time now is, is like, let's say we try something and it's not working and we have to take something away, away or change how we did it. We often say, look, we made a mistake with that. We didn't know how it went. And you can just say, P, I wanted to sit with you for two minutes. What that means is you need me to stay with you for the whole night. And that was a mistake on my part. So we're going to change that now. And that's all you have to say. And I think that's a, um, I've learned this with teaching, especially because I taught uh, middle schoolers primarily my whole career. And that is an audience where you can't, bullshit with. They know everything. They're bullshitters. They're like, they know. So if you screw up, you just have to be like, I screwed up on that. And they're like, okay, good. Because if you kept this going, we would just destroy you. (laughs) But I think it's the same with our toddlers as well. So don't be afraid to say, this is what we did before and why we did it. And this is why we're changing it now. Good. And I give her a heads up today. I said, just so you know, I'm I'm talking to the sleep consultant. (laughs) Whatever she says today goes. And she said, okay. 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 Let's do it. So in your case, I'd want something. So she's almost four. Uh, We might, you'll want something either some, she can have a compromise. So if she stays in her bed quietly, she can have her door open ajar. But if she gets up and leaves, the door has to close. This is a safety concern. This is not, we don't say like, get in your room, I'm locking the door. That is very different than pre-warning her to say, if you get out, I have to shut your door because it's not safe for you to come out. So I don't really want to shut your door. I want to keep it open. Can we work on that together? Yeah. So she comes out because by the way, for anyone listening, they will come out. They are going to, they have to, you've set a boundary. I must push it and destroy it and all of those things. So they're going to come out and then you actually have to do what you said. I actually have to shut the door. You, I know. See, look at your eyes. (laughs) You're like, yeah, that's a good one. But listen, and then what's going to happen? They're going to have this huge reaction. We don't, we can't stop that reaction. We can't control their reaction. You've given warnings. You've pre, you've told them everything. So when I'm doing my toddler work, I actually, 
uh, tell the parents there needs to be a session or a time where you go over the plan that I've sent you with your child. Right. You can't just throw this at them. And they need to know every single thing that's going to happen because it's not fair to do that, especially with mm -hmm. older children. Yeah. So make them a part of the program, the, the process. And we want, like I, I call it like shutting the door is a consequence, but it's also a natural consequence, right? You know, if, if a child is in their stroller and they keep hopping out, then we have to put the buckles on, right? It's not you being a jerk. It's just not safe for a four-year-old to be running yeah. around your house. So you have to shut the door. She will stay where she is. Okay. You want to talk about compromise? That's the compromise you're willing to give. <laughs> she will open that door again and she will come out, but I will keep. Yeah. I will and keep then you running. keep just shutting the door. You can add your minutes. You can add one minute. Um, when I'm working with clients, I suggest a one, three, five minute shut. Right. And then each time, they, we never leave the interaction with the door closed, never. Right. So the door shouldn't be locked overnight. Now this is for children three and a half plus. I do have other recommendations for younger toddlers and it's a whole different methodology. So if you've worked with me prior and I've told you to have the door shut, it means that your child's either in a crib or not young enough to be able to negotiate this. And then it just, we're recreating the room into a crib. Sometimes it's like when we say toddlers, everyone kind of like, builds the whole strategy into all of the kids ages and stages anyway but for her age i think it's appropriate um we're shutting what did i want to say we're shutting the door and when she wakes in the middle of the night you have to do the same thing and we can't like we go back you've already given the great example of like this has to happen in a certain way and she'll remember everything yeah. right so if you if she gets out of her room once and you're like, I'm just going to ignore it. Just go back. That's it. It's done. You've It's a crack. Yeah. And, and so she's been like, okay. So then the next time you do it, she'll be really mad because the last time you weren't consistent. So if we really want the protest to stop and it will stop, we have to do what we say and say what we do. If Azura was here right now, she would say like, I'm so good at setting boundaries in my personal life and being firm. But yeah. she's like, I don't know what happens when it comes to Poppy. Like, you don't know how know. to say no. And so I'm smiling because I really do have to just say no. Like, and just continue. And yeah, because these kids are smart. They are smart. And I bet if we were to, and I'm, I'm saying this from a place of like personal knowing and my clients, there's probably something in your past where it was for you, you wanted a parent to do X, Y, Z. So Absolutely. now it's going to turn into us overcompensating in other ways mm -hmm. when really what what children want and need is a consistent, loving adult who acts like an adult yeah. and acts like the leader. And you acting like the leader is the most lovely, warm hug that is so connecting for a child that creates beautiful attachment. And and the other thing, like when we talk about this concept of, of attachment, because this is what is always going to come up with this age and stage, your children is freaking out, you have all these worries, are they going to love me, am I ruining them? Your children, so there's a concept, um, I'm doing my social work degree and I have a social work friend, she sent me this. And uh, there's a concept called the circle of security. 
And when children are in the circle of security, they will have a secure attachment to their parent. And so when we think about what that means, what does it mean to be in the circle of security? It means to be with a caregiver. Notice I say caregiver. doesn't have to be parent. doesn't have to be mom. It doesn't. A caregiver who is bigger stronger and wiser, who is, when appropriate, um, delighting in their child and and giving them when they what they want when it's appropriate. So if you're running around in the park and she's like, let's throw sand and no one else is there, throw the sand, who cares? Yeah. But then when little whatever shows up, we don't throw sand and we say, I'm sorry, now's not the right time. Mm -hmm. So we're the person that they're looking to and it's okay to be bigger, stronger, and wiser. And in setting boundaries and for a lot of my clients, it doesn't have to be yelling. It doesn't have to be violent. It doesn't have to be, it, we're not recreating that. We are calm, cool, collected, and respectful. And that's, that's you and your partner to a T already. I like it. <laughs> <laughs> I do too. It's going to be great. And, and we've talked a lot about the, um, the sitting at sleep thing, but this is all stuff that you can use. It's so applicable with eating, with new baby stuff, with um, just about like car seat stuff, like all of this stuff comes up. And if I can recommend any, like my favorite books on this topic are Dan Siegel's Whole Brain Child. Um, I really love Harvey Karp's uh, Happiest Toddler on the Block. I think it takes a lot of the... Um, more theoretical things that Dan Siegel discusses and like gives you some practical tools to deal with. Um, I really like, like I said, Siblings Without Rivalry and both of Janet Lansbury's books. I would also, I got a lot of value out of her free podcast as well, um, Unruffled. And that is what kept me sane and has really inspired a lot of my toddler work. And what I'm going to be I'm doing a sleep conference in October, and it's basically those are the resources I use to create my toddler turnaround program, okay. which is like my favorite thing I've ever made. Is the sleep conference all ages or just toddlers or... It's so the sleep conference I'm doing in October is just for consultants. So people <gasps> doing this work. I gotta sign I know. <laughs> I know you do. You do. Well, sign up for September and come join us because I, I really, really love this program and it's... I say it's a gold mine. I don't mean it in a monetary thing, but I, I uh, like it was like, uh, I don't know, I birthed it when I wrote it. Um, I can send you a copy of it uh, when it's all set to go and so, yeah, you can take a look at some of the things. And at least it's a starting point for a lot of parents mm -hmm. to um, go back. If you want to do further research and evaluation on your own, you can. Yeah, I will. Oh my gosh, Mandy, we're at 30 minutes and 30 seconds, and I talked for 29 minutes of those. So <laughs> time flies, and I was absorbing it. I thank you so much for your, your time today, and we're going to start Yay. tonight. I'm going to lay it out over dinner. We're going to talk about it together and make yep. a plan together so she knows what to expect. I love it. Report back. 
I can't wait. You know how to reach me. Literally, send me a text. (laughs) All right. And thanks to everyone for listening. As always, you can find me on Instagram at Baby's Best Sleep. Uh, Send me an email, Amanda at Baby's Best Sleep.com if you want to join us on the podcast. And if you are looking to become a sleep consultant, our registration is open now for September 2022. Woohoo! Thanks, everyone. Bye.